this include a gratuity? Yes, sir. Call me by my dream name. And she tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. Mommy. Mommy, why does that girl keep telling me I shouldn't go there? I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. All right, and this week our main review of, is uh, Vittoria De Sica's Sunflower. And I'm, I'm very happy, I just have to say, to be talking about Italian cinema on the podcast. <laughs> so many tremendous Italian movies. And uh, for us to, you know, cover eventually for sure. And we'll also have our usual segments. Uh, Max has a stand pick and John has a, a free dream stream. And this one you won't want to miss. <laughs> and I have a bleak of the week that, unlike some of my previous bleaks, I actually highly recommend this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Whoa. <laughs> right, but, let's, but let's talk about what we've been watching. And Max, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, I had a pretty fun week. I uh, started with the 1998 uh, incredible film, The Faculty, directed by Robert, Rodri- Robert Rodriguez. I the CGI first and foremost does not hold up. It's it's pretty bad. But um, I should have looked this up. But you guys have you you've seen this before, right? I've got some vague recollections of it. So like I may have seen it, but my it's kind of like I saw it in passing. But I, I can mm-hmm. definitely I definitely like watched maybe I watched it on TV or something. But I do remember some of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I saw it a long time ago. I, I don't remember any of it really. Oh man, it's it's worth a revisit. But I'm 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 fairly certain that the like the end alien is practical. And oh, okay. I, I I'll confirm it, I'll look it up, but it, it looks practical, I'll put it that way. Um but it's it's great and uh a very young Elijah Wood. This was my uh second B.B. Newerth film um, in, as many, <laughs> in as many weeks. Whoa, she, that's, that's yeah, rare. She was, she was the boss in uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge Cheers fan, but um, sorry, sorry, B.B., <laughs> that was not on purpose to watch two of your films. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, uh, it's got Robert Patrick in it as a, as a creepy, um, possessed football coach and it's a yeah it's just a solid 90s late 90s horror film um i kind of a a kind of a whodunit or you know who is it i think they reference invasion of the body snatchers at least a dozen times (laughs) so in case it wasn't clear what they're referencing or or what the or what the uh, inspiration for this one was um they'll uh they'll make that pretty obvious but no I, i liked it it's on hbo max it's a fun one um and then the other one that I watched um there's a new Douglas uh Cirque collection on Criterion and so I um I mean it's pretty bleak but uh written on the wind 
1956, uh, starring Rock Hudson, Lauren Bacall, Robert Stack, Dorothy Malone. Um, I really enjoyed this. Uh, there's something about, you know, 50s, 40s and 50s melodramas uh, that, I mean, again, I I don't know. There's something to be said about, you know, dealing with heavy subjects in, in kind of a more, like, subdued manner. And, you know, the characters here are, are, are dealing with, with a lot of the kind of heavy topics, um, you know, impotence, alcoholism, uh, lost loves, and, and how that all kind of affects uh, your other relationships, um, the death of, you know, a parent. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I'm looking forward to finishing. I think there's, like, four other movies, three or four other movies in the collection on, on Criterion Channel. Um, so I'm looking forward to going through those and, and finishing all those. But, yeah, Written on the Wind and gorgeous Technicolor. And maybe the best part is a 99-minute runtime. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> that is a solid runtime. It just, you know, I'm more and more, I'm like, if you can't tell a compelling story in an hour and a half, <laughs> maybe hang it up, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> I've I'm only kidding. seen one Douglas Sirk so far, and I wasn't crazy about it, but I've heard good things in general. So I don't know. Maybe I just picked the wrong one. Yeah, I've seen quite a few. Uh, it's It's been a long time, though. But at, at least, well, at a minimum, the Technicolor, he, he makes great-looking Technicolor movies. But, yeah, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. It's been a long time since I've seen one. Is it just his Technicolor movies that are on Criterion? I am pretty sure, because it's not... Yeah, it's Imitation of Life, um, Magnificent Obsession, uh, All That Heaven Allows. Uh, yeah, I, 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 so it is, it is just four, I think. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the old B&Ws, the black and whites, aren't, aren't on that one. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, Imitation of Life, that's Lana Turner, right? Yep, yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give Sorkin another try, see what happens. Yeah, why not? You could even try. He has a couple noirs, um, that before they made before the fifties, that I think get pretty good reviews. All right. He's got he's got a bunch of Stanwicks. Wow. <laughs> I just My I man. pulled it up. Yeah, there's always tomorrow. All I desire. Woof. Sirk <laughs> and Wick. That's, uh, <laughs> that's something. There's something there. Sirk Sirk Wick. Yeah, wait till you hear about my uh, my name for. Uh, I'll save it. I'll save it yeah. for the main review. But it's it's something okay. uh, interesting I've come up with. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else, Max? Uh, no. Those those are the only ones worth mentioning. Okay. All right, and John, what have you been watching? Well, my year long saga to complete my 2021 top ten list continues. I watched Oxygen. Directed by Alexandre Aha. Yeah, Aha, that sound right? I, I think it's Aja. Aja, Aja. That, that makes more sense. Um, I feel like Max might like this one. It's got, it's a pretty, it's kind of a science fiction horror. 
Um, uh, okay. It's also it's um it's a very claustrophobic film, kind of uh, along the lines of Buried, but instead of being buried underground, poor Melanie Laurent is trapped in a cryogenic chamber. She wakes up and doesn't really know what's going on. And you kind of follow along with her as she interacts with a very sophisticated Siri type figure named Milo, who's played by the voice of Matthew Almerich. Um, she tries to figure out why she's there, what's going on and how to get out. Um, you know, these claustrophobic films aren't for everyone. Cause it, it is very intense and, you know, it just makes you feel trapped as well. But I think Melanie Ronk gives a great performance. Um, the film is solid. I wouldn't say it's great, but I did enjoy it. It was interesting. Um, pretty, pretty brutal, but there's some interesting reveals as things go on. Um, at first, Melanie Laurent's memory is pretty, uh, like very fragmented and you learn more and more about her past as she does. Um, so I think it's interesting um, experience and I think it's worth a watch. It's on Netflix and uh, I gave it like a three and a half out of five, but it's definitely, it's definitely good. It's just, you know, it didn't make the top 10 um, kind of a light week. The only other movie I watched was not great, but reading more about it, I think it may not have been um, the fault of the director. It's kind of a situation is a situation is a, it was a troubled shoot. Uh, 1983's The Keep, directed by Michael Mann. Um, this is a film that definitely suffers a bit from uh, special effects not aging well. But um, a lot of this film's ending was um, they couldn't do what they wanted because um, the visual effects... Um, Supervisor Wally Weavers died during post-production, I think four days after the, the regular shooting was um, completed. And so many things that they wanted to do with special effects for the ending had to be scrapped based on that and budgetary issues. Um, the film went over budget. It went over time. So the ending had to become much more simplistic. Um, I'll give the uh, it's an interesting plot to this i'll give the synopsis they were all drawn to the keep the soldiers who brought death which are nazis the father and daughter fighting for life who are um jews who are brought there to help solve this mystery with this keep that the german soldiers are protecting um the people who always feared it who live in the town in romania and the one man who knows its secret not sure who that is actually <laughs> nazis take over an ancient fortress that contains a mysterious entity that wreaks havoc and death upon them this film is very ambitious and you see some of the direction that michael mann does in his more successful films here but just all the problems with the shoot and the incompleteness of the post-production makes this film pretty flawed um i gave it a three out of five but it's just, 
it would be interesting to see what would have happened with a vision that was fully realized. Um, it's tough in these situations where things have to be changed because either someone's not available or someone dies and then whatever or budget they run out of money it completely changes um the vision of the project and also i believe uh paramount cut a lot of this film to get it to a certain runtime i think the original runtime was three hours and it's 96 minutes the version that i saw it has a uh, score by tangerine dream which i usually enjoy but due to um copyright issues i believe that we the one we're listening to now is not the original score so this film's got a lot of problems but uh i'd say it's interesting from uh, you know if you like michael mann films you'll see some stuff that you like here but it's just kind of a mess so and that's all i've watched this week actually all right i just have a couple uh that i'm going to talk about i watched two umberto Lindsay movies uh, Lindsay, uh, he made all all kinds of movies, but he made a lot of Jally, uh, Police Hitachi, and at least one. Well, maybe he made more than one spaghetti western. He also made some early kind of sword and sandal kind of fantasy movies in the early 60s. Um, but he also made some cannibal movies, one of which was a recent uh, bleak of the week of mine. It was Cannibal Ferox. And I liked that one, and so I watched his other cannibal, well, one of his other cannibal movies. It's called Eaten Alive. And it's it's pretty rough, not only because it's gross and sleazy, but this one's also pretty boring. Um, it stars Robert Kerman, who's also in Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal, cannibal Ferox. A tough genre to be typecast in. Oof. Who wants to make these movies over and over again? Man, sleazy and boring, that's a rare combination. Yeah. It really is, yeah. But he 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 manages to make it work. <laughs> and then uh, now, oh, hold on. I might have a a type. Let me look up this actress's name. But I do want to I want to reference her because I I owe it to her. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, um, the lead actress is Janet Agron. I believe is how you say her her last name. But she's in. The amazing, wonderful Lucia Fulci film, City of the Living Dead. She she does not have a, a tremendous role here <laughs> outside of being the lead. This is I, I did not love this movie, but it is streaming on Tubi and on the Arrow channel. If you want to be you know, kind of bored and grossed out, it then <laughs> this is perfect. It uh I don't know what it is like. Lindsay really, I mean, and, and Cannibal Holocaust does this too, but I don't know why the on-screen, like, animal deaths is such a big part of this kind of movie. I I, I would <sighs> like, I know with Cannibal Holocaust, at least on Blu-ray, there is like a, I'm trying to think of how, to, how you say it, like an animal cruelty-free version oh okay mm. hmm. i don't uh, that that's on the on the blu-ray they have that but i don't know i um this might have done me in i don't know if i can do <laughs> the italian cannibal need a break anymore uh, unless if if there's no animal deaths then i can mm. do it but uh 
yeah, I think I'm, I think I, I just have to put these movies behind me. I just can't do it anymore. Hey, I have a free chance at hundred dollars for both of you right now. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Think about this is back from the keep. I have one more thing to say about it. Um, think about what actor you would want or you would envision playing a Nazi general. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have your, you have a person. You have an actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. If it's if it's Gabriel Byrne, you get a hundred bucks because <laughs> that's who it was, and I would never have expected that. <laughs> wow, you can keep your hundred. That wasn't it. That was not it. <laughs> what an unlikely casting that was. It's the joy of and, movies. Uh, a German accent is not pristine. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, I bet. <laughs> All right, I had to pop that in there. Yeah, and then I watched one more uh, Umberto Lindsay movie. It was Eyeball. This is a Jallo. Oh, I've heard about and, this one. I, I've heard it's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of a wild movie. I enjoyed it a little bit more than Eaten Alive. Somehow I gave them the same star rating. I need to, <laughs> to rethink uh, my star ratings a little bit more, maybe. But it's it's a little more enjoyable than Eaten Alive for sure. But it's it's. I didn't think it was anything special. Now, now Lindsay, I mean, he has a lot of pretty big fans. And I do think he's one of the big, like, Italian genre filmmakers. But for some reason, he he doesn't have a lot that I really get into. I think his Policia Teshi movie seems to be what he's best at. And there's still a handful of those I haven't seen. But Eyeball, it is on, on, it's pretty easy to find on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it, I, I didn't care for it, but I know that it does have some, some, uh, some pretty big fans. I'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely should. <laughs> All right. And I think that that brings us to the review, unless you guys have anything else to get into first. Uh, no. All no, right. Uh, all right, so we were talking about Sunflower. It was released in 1970, and Desica he also made The Garden of the Finzi Cantinis, I believe is how you say it. Um, that came out the the same year, and any filmmaker, I mean, would be proud to have these two released in the same year. I think Sunflower is the lesser known, and Garden of the Finzi, I think it's Cantinis, uh, mm-hmm. won an, it, it won an Oscar for Best uh, Foreign Language Film. So obviously it, you know, that helped it, I'm sure, find a larger audience. But De Sica, I mean, he's a pretty legendary Italian filmmaker and actor. He was kind of a leading man in the 40s and 50s. And he continued acting and directing even into the uh, even into the 70s. And I can't remember who. Now, I've never seen uh, De Sica act in a movie that I can remember. But I think a critic or a historian had compared his presence to uh, screen presence to Cary Grant. Huh. But, oh wow! But yeah, I'd like to check out some of his movies. I, I do know he was at, at least more of a comedic actor. Um, just like his dir- films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, as a director, he's you know known for being one of the founders of the neorealism movement, and he directed some of the major neorealist movies, like he did The Bicycle Thief, Umberto D, and he also did Shoeshine. And this is his, I think this is the third time he, that he had cast Loren and Mastriani in a film together. 
And this is the only one I've seen. I think the other two are comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I have part of the... Uh, I, 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 I pulled the synopsis from Letterboxd, but I did kind of revise it to make it a little shorter. Nobody has time to listen to the Letterboxd synopsis. I mean, it is outrageous. It's lengthy. But uh, at the end of the world, at the end of World War II, Giovanna, a war bride living near Milan, refuses to accept that her missing husband is dead. Some years after the war, still no word from Antonio. She goes to Russia to find him. What will she find? That's hmm. that's how the synopsis ends. Yeah. <laughs> what will she find? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Max, what did you think of Sunflower? Yeah. Well, like you mentioned. I, I had previously previously seen the the, the two movies, uh, Marriage Italian Style, and Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. Um, that one came out first, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, that um, starred Sofia Loren and, and Marcello Mastriani. And yeah, I mean those are are very much more comedies, and um, he's just a riot in those and Sophia Loren too. I, her character uh, in both of those was, was uh, just entertaining. There's a lot of kind of depth to, to what she brings. And, and so, you know, wanting to kind of, I guess, finish the unofficial trilogy uh, is what led me to Sunflower. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, you know, the, those other two movies, it isn't like light subject matter. Um, I think they're both, I think they both are around World War Two, as was this one. Um, and you still have, like in Sunflower, there's still like that kind of comedic pairing. Um, you know, it, the, the film starts uh, with uh, Sophia Loren, uh, her character Giovanna, um, just kind of in hysterics, just trying to get an answer of like, okay, if he's not dead, is he alive? Um, and you know, trying to just figure out from from the army uh, the, the the status of her husband, and it then cuts to them you know first meeting, and they're you know kind of you know canoodling on the beach, and I, I was just laughing um, because uh, his, uh, Mastroianni's character Antonio you know starts choking, and it's like what what's what's happening here. Um, and you realize that he's like swallowed her her uh, her swallowed her earring, and I, I don't know. Those little interactions to me are are, are pretty entertaining and, and just a fun part of these um, part of these movies. And he you know, he's being ready to be deployed, and she she uh, suggests that he get married because you know, at the time uh, it's a it's a you get a twelve day vacation basically. Um, so and her reasoning is like, who knows, you know, the war could end in 12 days. And I, I love the line. Um, he's, he's just talking about like, you know, going to the deserts of Africa and she's like, Oh, like, there's, you know, you'll, you'll have to deal with the heat there and the scorpions. And after she proposes, you know, getting married, he's, he says something about like, you know, I'll take the scorpions over marriage. Um, and then I love how it just cuts to them leaving the wedding chapel um and and they have you know, they've they've quickly gotten married and I don't know how much time has has passed um but I, yeah overall you know sunflower was was entertaining um 
I, I like kind of the the you know cutting back and forth to you know her her eventual search in Russia. Um, basically, just yeah, having you know just a photograph of, of of her husband trying to find him and, and talking to these you know villagers and and connections and and just people trying to you know, see what she can discover and um a pretty I, we'll get into it but a pretty interesting discovery um you know eventually when she when she does uh locate her husband um but yeah i overall i i really like this pairing i thought i thought they did really well together and there's there's just kind of a natural chemistry that i'm trying to think of like a of a american equivalent um i don't you know it'll come to me as we talk about it but uh they you know they just mesh really well together and it just makes for really you're just kind of a uh enjoyable movie watching experience but those are some initial thoughts on sunflower um yeah i really enjoyed it yeah and john what did you think well i've got uh two names for Vittorio the Sika podcast that are only talking about his films. I have the Sikaness <laughs> <laughs> and the Sika fans. <laughs> <laughs> and those are my notes. Just kidding. Um, but I, I thought I'd share those with you because I, I laugh at myself for thinking of those, especially the Sikaness. It reminds me of just like Hunter's um, attempts to make, what is it? Not sick, but, um, that's diseased into a mm. popular slug. <laughs> it never will. We might he- we might hear from disturbed. Uh, yeah, down with the the sickness. This is my first Sophia Loren film, and I was pretty impressed. I thought she's really good. I mean, she's a beautiful woman full of talent as an actress. Um, I agree with what Max says about her chemistry with Mastriani. Um, they're really good together, especially when they're um, in that, you know, they've just met and just like the romantic way they're playing around with each other, just like interactions. It feels very natural. It feels very like the connection is definitely there. It's something that is not always captured um, well on film. Um, My first time seeing an earring swallowed in a film. I have not seen that uh, (laughs) plot device used before. It sounds very scary, especially if it's not a clip on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I feel like Mastriani could have used some of the the Scorsese de-aging technology for the flashbacks from the Irishman because he's supposed to be 32 and he's like mid 40s at this point. (laughs) At that point. I mean, you know, obviously he's a good-looking guy, so it's not like a total, like, huge leap, but it's definitely noticeable. I, I, I actually, if he does, if he did not say in the scene that he's 32, you're thinking of a, someone going to war as even younger. So at first I was like, is this guy supposed to be in his 20s? Because that is not the case at all. But um, I don't, know. I do like their their connection together. I, I'm interested in watching the other two films. Um, and seeing this whole trilogy um i also like max i love the transition with the scorpion reference and then i think she goes well who would marry you anyway and then boom they're running out of the chapel together that mm-hmm. was really effective um they're super cute just and and then like 
I wrote the note how cute they are together. And then it cuts to the scene where um, he's attacking her like in this city street. And um, it's pretty violent. But then you find out that it's not really for real. Uh, mm-hmm. So it really was. The cuteness was real. The violence was not. Um, one of the most one of the like, most gut-wrenching parts of this film, I think, is when the, the war is over and the train comes back. And these soldiers are coming off the train and everyone waiting for them just has these photographs of their loved ones. And like, they're not even just, they're just like hoping that anyone coming off recognizes their loved ones and can like tell them something about where they might be or what's happened to them. It's just such a crazy time to live through and you get a kind of a feel about how hard that might've been. It also is um, pretty effective at showing how extremely brutal the Russian front was and what an experience that might have been for these Italian soldiers. It just seems like, uh, like I think it's described as hell and like it definitely feels that way. Um, but as in Canal, but a, but, a lot, but a lot colder, but a lot colder. Right. Yeah. As in Canal, I saw a, uh, remember we had those mini tanks in Canal. Um, I saw a military snowmobile and that was pretty interesting to me. <laughs> I had not seen that before. I like these um, obscure um, military devices popping into films that I've just never seen. Uh, interesting decision to just show that, um, I guess it's supposed to represent a, like communism or a Russian, like that red flag overlaying the battle scenes in the snow. Um, I don't know if I loved it, but it was interesting just seeing mm. that decision. Um, oh, man, when... Mastriani and his buddy, they're looking for shelter and they walk into that cabin and everyone is kind of sleeping, standing up. Oh, that was pretty effective and memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Sophia Loren, just how determined she is not to give up on finding him again. And like, just not like this is like, I think Stalin died in 53. The war that ended in 45. So like eight years later, she is still believes he's alive and um her character is very impressive just in her willingness to go do whatever it takes to find her missing husband um on his side of things you don't get a lot of insight into his experience or his feelings um after well i guess I'll spoil it but um you know after he's found you don't really know how long he forgot um his past like did he remember it in the middle and just decide not to go back um he's kind of a mystery like and then at the end he's kind of unlikable he's just willing to abandon his child and his wife his new wife for because he just wants to be with Sophia Loren again um and she's much more Sophia Loren is a very likable character in this like she's just like a very strong like people are going to root for her like throughout, she's just very morally. Um, I don't know. She's admirable. Like her her fortitude and just the decisions she makes. I think she's very admirable. Um, yeah, uh, I like the ending. It's it's you know it's kind of like the only ending that can really happen, and it's just like you know of all the tragedies of war, 
here's something that's, you know, a lot smaller, but there's other things that, you know, people, ways that people lives get affected and romance gets affected that you wouldn't think of besides just like losing someone completely. There's just other factors involved. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's a sad, it's a sad conclusion to a very difficult story, but there is, you know, actually more lightheartedness in this film than I would have expected. I didn't know that the Sika did that much comedic stuff because, you know, my only experience was really Umberto D and the bicycle thieves, which is, are both very heavily depressing mm-hmm. in a good way. But like they're definitely, you know, very serious. Um, so yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, very impressive with Sophia Loren in my first experience watching her. I like to see her even like I can definitely see her being very funny, like even more so when allowed to do so. So I'm interested to see those other two in this trilogy. Yeah, yeah, they're I recommend them for sure. They're similar characters of like you know not like morally pure, you would say, but you are like rooting for her. Um, and 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 the the story that she's bringing, or you know, the the background she's bringing, is is just compelling. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, she's likable for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really liked Sunflower. I definitely am a Desika fan, and um, <laughs> I, I I love a, quite a few of his movies. And, and with this one, I I don't have. Uh, really anything like too negative to say about it like i i, I don't think it's like a, a masterpiece but there are very few like glaring flaws um now john i i agree the thing with the uh, red flag that was kind of a strange choice that maybe if they had done it for like 12 seconds it would have been okay but it, felt <laughs> it was long it, yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. <laughs> it was long um i love uh henry mancini's score I, I think he's just, you know, one yeah. of the greats. And I thought the performances were, were great. Lorraine, I think, is excellent. And I watched The Garden of the Finzi uh, Contini's last year, and I really enjoyed it as well. But I thought this was a little more interesting visually. It was shot by uh, Giuseppe Ro, Ro, Rotuno, or Rotuno. Um, and, and I know he worked with Fellini and Visconti. And he worked with De Sica, uh before as well. And then also he talked about the, uh, well, we, we talked about the Stendhal syndrome last week, which he he shot the, the Stendhal syndrome. That was his only time working with Argento. But this movie falls into kind of a category of romantic movie that I enjoy. And this won't come as a, a surprise <laughs> at all, but I like Brief Encounters. Yeah. This is kind of a different version of that because the like the love, like the romance is not forbidden in any way. The only thing that's keeping them apart is obviously is is the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just there's something about like brief encounter type stories that I just think are compelling. And I I do think it's real like it's when you flash back it seems like they've just met, but during their kind of like during like the 12 day leave, like right after they get married, I mean, it, it feels like a very real 
relationship like almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I feel like you really, you know, are invested in them and are, and really care about these characters. And and John, I'm with you when <laughs> when Mastriani when he's kind of you know acting aggressive. At first, I did not think it was like a way for him to like avoid going to Africa. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was pretty well done. Um. Oh, now the twenty-four egg frittata. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Wild. That is that is pretty wild. I, I think did Mastriani say that his like his father, the like grandparents or yeah, grandparents ate a twenty-four egg frittata. Yeah. Yeah. On their wedding on their wedding night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And this and actually the scene of them like in the kitchen. Um, while he's cooking i love the way it's shot how it kind of like the camera will follow one of them when they're moving but then sometimes it'll just stay on the person who's like at the table like cracking the eggs or whatever but i thought visually for a scene that's kind of not the most interesting i i just i liked the way that he shot it Mm -hmm. i i did i like the scene when he's back in italy because I don't know if we talked, you know, but basically Sophia Loren is in Russia. She eventually finds someone who knows who, you know, who her, her husband is. Um, I like that reveal and you kind of get it for like kind of instantly where she goes to, you know, she's brought to the house that he lives in and you just see this, you know, Russian uh, girl or woman and it's like, oh, man, because you know, she sees Sophia Loren and, and panics and kind of stumbles into the house. And you realize that you know, he has you know, since remarried um, this Russian girl and, and now has a, a baby girl. And it kind of all washes over, you know, Sophia Loren. She takes it all in. Um, but then later in the film, when when uh, Mastriani goes back to, to Italy to try and convince um Sophia Loren to come back with him and he's uh, trying to get on that train and there's the train strike. And so he's kind of stuck at the bus stop and that random woman um, with the doll. And like, I don't know, just that that whole scene of like, and that's kind of like the, the comedic part where, you know, it's just like, Oh no, I, this doll's for me. I just like them. And then, (laughs) yeah, it's like, you know, do you want to sleep with me? Like, and this, this like, resignation of like and you're like where is this gonna go like what what a strange guy and then you kind of realize like he's just you know basically using this woman to use her phone to call sophia loren um but just a very very odd woman with all those dolls in the in the bed and you know when it cuts back to her and she is (laughs) in a state of undress and it's like hey i've got to (laughs) go Because she, you know, he he gets Sophia Loren's um, apartment number, which is the real, real, real reason why he's there. Um, this could have been know. an influence on Toys Are Not for Children, actually. <laughs> is, yeah. is is she a prostitute? Yeah, I guess. Because he offers her money, right? Yeah, does, I, and like yeah. she's hanging out by a train station. That's kind of a you know late. I don't know. It's but, like uh, could yeah, be, but having could a not. doll as a as a come on. I don't know. Yeah. Like, oh uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Toys not for children vibes there. 
<laughs> but yeah, now the when you find out, like when she you know shows the picture to these like women who are kind of on the street and they say like they point to the house where he's at. And and then you see the the woman there. I I was definitely at first I was just expecting you know Sophia Loren to be invited inside and see that the woman was just taking care of Mastriani. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like I thought, oh maybe he's you know for like maybe he lost the ability to walk or something and he's just yeah you know, she's just been caring for him. Although no, you see the kid pretty early on though, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so the kid, like when I saw the kid, it didn't even register that this is his kid at first. But oh, but, gotcha. but then you know they you know she goes inside. And, and then at the train station when they see Mastriani. At first, I I really did think he would have completely forgotten her but of course he recognized her instantly and i did it was definitely not where i saw the movie going but i could see like mastriani like of course he's it's been years you know since he's been in italy and then this woman drags him you know from this you know the snow you know and you takes him home and takes care of him you can kind of see why he would stay. And I but I do like the decision to kind of make him unlikable and have him still try to go back to Loren anyways. I think it's kind of an interesting it's just kind of an interesting story. Like I think feels, the way it unfolds is interesting. It feels like a very real human reaction that someone would do for sure, the way he reacts at the end. Like that feels yeah, you know, it's sinister, but I can definitely it feels more realistic than just being making the complete right moral choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting in the final scene when you hear uh, Loren has a baby, like you hear the baby crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mastriani is like <laughs> bewildered, like it's like the strangest thing. And he he looks like kind of upset that she has a child where. Like she doesn't really give him the same reaction. She's just more hurt and sad and then just, you know, goes home. Yeah. But no, I did pretty much everything about the movie worked for me. I, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I, I thought I would definitely rewatch this. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a definite addition to me in terms of a rewatchability, uh, watch list. Yeah, do you all uh, have any other notes or anything you want to bring up? I think we've, we've touched on my, yeah, I mean, that 24 egg frittata really, <laughs> really is the, the scene stealer. Um, no, that's oh, a, no. Um, there is the scene where, like, Sofia Coppola is on the motorcycle with that uh, blonde guy. And and they they wipe out and then she now now he is the person that she has the kid with right I believe so yeah mm-hmm. um but uh, now there is there is a moment that is maybe an, an inspiration for uh, 
Oh, what's the David Lowry movie? Is it Ghost Story? Is that what it's called? Hey, can you hear oh, me? With, uh, Rooney Mara? Yeah, oh, I, I do hear you now, John. Sorry, I lost connection. Oh, okay. In there for a minute. It's like, um, like Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Yeah, there's a scene in this, in this where Sophia Loren is drinking wine and eating prosciutto and bread. <laughs> I kind of wanted that to just keep going. <laughs> That's just, way just, more interesting than watching a, a, a pie uh, being eaten. Well, yeah. Ugh. Um, and uh-huh. then, oh, and the scene when uh, Mastriani and his family, when they're moving, there's a really interesting shot where the camera does like almost a 360 around the moving truck. Yeah. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. I don't know if the camera was on a car or a crane, but it's. Um, I don't know. I, I thought uh, there was some, just some really kind of nice, stylish you know, camera movement like throughout the movie. But I remember that shot I, I thought was 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 pretty impressive. Alrighty, well, I think that's that's all all I've got. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add? I well, I I don't know if we touched on this, but like I, I think understanding where the title comes from, because the, like when she goes to the sunflower fields, and then I she, the guy says like like every sunflower is supposed to represent an Italian soldier. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't get that. T- Till the end, and then I really liked it. Once I, I was like, "What does the sunflower mean?" And then, like, I, like you said, I got it like right at the end, and like it made it more meaningful to me. And then, so sunflower in the title, referencing her losing Mastriani, um, him being kind of her fallen soldier. At least that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I agree. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool how they, how they, you know, again, not well, not cool, but like meaningful of how they tied that in of like what the meaning of the sunflowers uh, was. Should we rate uh, well, this we... Uh, sunflowery motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max, why don't you go ahead and give us your star rating? Uh, firm four out of five for me. It's a four out of five for me as well. And John, you? Yep. I'm the, I'm the, Harshest critic this week. Uh, very solid three at three and a half, three and a half out of five. So no mm-hmm. real issues with it. Just didn't resonate with me as much as with you guys. So three and a half, but you know, a positive three and a half. Perfect. All right, and that brings us to a preview for next week's show. who read the book club selection Dragon Wick know the powerful emotional impact of its many exciting moments. For as the Ladies Home Journal so daringly promised when it first published Dragon Wick, this is a story to thrill the hearts of those who loved Rebecca. Starring Jean Tierney as the woman who seeks love where it is feared to flourish, this unusual, impassioned, romantic drama now comes to the screen with its fascinating plot and its magnetic characters brought vividly to life by a splendid cast including Walter Houston, Vincent Price, Glenn Langan, Anne Revere, Spring Byington, and other outstanding artists. And you like peaches out of season, and the feel of silk sheets against your young body. And one day you will wish with all your heart you'd never come to Dragonwick. <laughs>
You knew it the instant our eyes first met. And everything within this man. And you know it now. You have no right to say that, to talk like this, please. You can't help yourself any more than I. Am I right? Randy, you understand what I'm getting at, don't you? Yes, I think I do. I'd like to think that you might in time marry me, Miranda. Jeff, I... I suppose you're going to say it's a man. What man, I'd like to know. She's given false bite to every mother's son in the county. Perhaps the right one just hasn't come along yet. No, she won't find him with her nose stuck in the air, wanting what she can't get. A woman ought to get a man first and then want him. Nicholas, let me help. I don't need to be helped. Help me, then. Please don't shut me out like this. Let me be unhappy with you and happy again. Let me be part of you. Let me love you and love me, too. All right, so tune in next week to hear our review of Dragonwick. And next week, we are going to have our very very first guest on the show. Uh, Daniel Epler from the Cobwebs podcast will be joining us. All right, since we're re- reviewing a classic film, and he uh, is a, a lover of, of classic Hollywood films, and his podcast is, is pretty much dedicated to you know, like Hollywood movies from the uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, we thought he'd be a great guest, and we're, we're definitely excited to have him on. Heck yeah, this is cool. Our first guest, it feels uh, like we're getting more and more legitimate. Mm-hmm. Whether, we are, whether we are or not, it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, well, Max, um, give us your, your stand pick of the week. Yeah, um, so it, it should be mentioned that you know, there's there's been a good run of stand picks. I feel like I've I've really... Uh, treated her well, and I think she'd be proud of, of what we've mentioned. Um, but as with any actor and actress, um, you know, there's 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 some gems and there's, there's some real stinkers. And you know, we're we're kind of getting into stinker territory. It's hard to say that, but I do have a stand pick. Um, it is actually stars Ronald Reagan. Um, which is is really exciting. The the Ronald Reagan. That's that's not a mistake. Uh, it's from uh, it's from 1954, and it's the Cattle Queen of Montana. And um, it is as odd as it sounds. Uh, Stanwick, Barbara, she plays a, a character named Sierra Nevada Jones, and she must fight a villainous rancher to regain the land that is rightfully hers. Uh, it's it's streaming a few places. Um, some of them are, 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 are through Amazon. Uh, best part, it's only 88 minutes, mm. and uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great runtime for for this movie. Um, it's a it's an odd one, but with that said, we have mentioned this before, uh, and as we kind of you know really enter into 2022, I think it's only right to kind of shift gears here. And so uh, next week, there will be no more stand picks, and we're going to move into the tyranny of 2022. Oh, this is is very interesting. I'm I'm excited for this. This is a a worthy successor. It, it, you know, John, credit to you for for the name. Um, You know, credit where credit is due. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll... We'll, we'll tie in Dragonwick, as we've mentioned. That, that is next week's review. Um, but yeah, Gene, Jean Tierney is just a great leading lady. Um, she's got a lot to, to choose from. 
and uh, some some great content coming up. So next week, the beginning of the tyranny of 2022. Yeah, uh, is furious. <laughs> We're just rolling over right now. She's doing the old like, I think I'm gonna win this award. She stands up, but it's not her. It's uh, uh, Team Tyranny. She may visit me in a dream or something and just scold me. We'll see. This is a reward for you. <laughs> That's true. It, w- it wouldn't be the first time. But. <laughs> wow. Love yeah. That. All right. Well, Max, I I support this. I think it's, I mean, evidenced by your inability to sell your last stand pick. I mean, I'll never watch that movie based on <laughs> how you described it. I think we need something new. Yeah. And it's I think uh, Gene Tierney is a, a tremendous, tremendous actress. So I think you've you've chosen well. Good, good. Right. I'm looking forward to some some solid picks here. So, yeah, let's do this thing. All right, and John, you got a free dream stream? This is a wild one. It's uh, a little bit science fiction, a little bit horror, a little bit thriller. I don't want to give away too much because not knowing is like part of the experience here. But it is Triangle from 2009, directed by Christopher Smith. And I can read the synopsis because it doesn't give enough away. It doesn't give too much away. Um, the tagline is Fear Comes in Waves. It's on the water. It's pretty clever. Anyway, the synopsis is when Jess sets sail on a yacht with a group of friends, she cannot shake the feeling that there is something wrong. Her suspicions are realized when the yacht hits a storm and the group is forced to board a passing ocean liner to get to safety. A ship Jess is convinced she's been on before. This film is uh, just it's it's pretty crazy and uh, it's just a really fun wild ride so if you like a little bit of mind-bending suspense in your life it's definitely worth a watch it's a a four out of five for me um they did a lot with a pretty small budget and uh, i think it's really clever and uh has a few surprises along the way and uh i think it's really enjoyable i think it's a good time 99 minutes long not not a bad runtime and uh pretty action-packed it's on canopy and pluto does this star uh, Melissa George? It sure does. Oh, I'm a fan. I yeah, really oh, like her. I like her, too. She does a great job in this film, too. She's a lot to do, and she does it well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, and my bleak of the week is an Italian film. <laughs> it is uh, Francesca Barilli's Hotel Fear. This is my favorite movie I've watched so far this year. Wow. And okay. um, I, uh, I'll, I'll read the, I am going to read the synopsis on, on Letterboxd, actually. I uh, need to pull it up, though. Can't read it without it. All right. There we go. All right, so a young girl and her mother run a hotel during the war. When the mother dies, the girl finds herself at the mercy of her sex-crazed guests. Soon enough, a a cloaked figure starts killing off everyone that tries to harm her. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the synopsis is is pretty accurate. What it doesn't do, though, 
is describe how grim this situation really is for this young girl. Uh, the guests in the hotel are the most loathsome creatures. And her her mother, she actually does, um, is able to kind of defend her her daughter. But then you know, once the mother is out of the picture, I mean, the girl just, there's really nothing she can do. And this also takes place during World War II. And the mother and the daughter, they, you know, the daughter asks, like, can we you know, please kick the guests out? And the mother's like, well, we can't without these guests. You know, there's no money and we wouldn't be able to eat. So even with how terrible they are treating you know, her daughter, the mother keeps the hotel open and, and, you know, and, and lets these guests continue to stay there. And the movie, I mean, it does get it gets really dark you know, for the uh, for the main character. But I thought the tone, the direction and the score, I thought were just amazing. I watched it on YouTube and it's not the greatest quality, but. Even in like standard definition, I mean, you could tell like this is like a a really stylish and impressive looking movie. And this one is actually getting released on Blu-ray this year, and I'm very excited. I'll definitely be picking it up and I'm not even going to wait for a sale. I'm going to go for the full price on this one, (laughs) which I never do. But I, I really love this movie. The ending isn't the strongest part of the movie. It it brought it down maybe a little bit, but um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Highest recommendations for sure. Excellent. Looking forward to checking right. it out. Looking forward to hearing about it. I'm glad about the, the, the Blu-ray, <laughs> Max. I'm glad the Blu-ray's coming. I was going to ask you if it's on Blu-ray and uh, with that experience, yeah, it's definitely a, a full price situation. Yeah, and uh, Mondo Macabro is releasing it, and they um, this is definitely in line with their with their kind of brand aesthetic. So, uh, and they always do a great job. I mean, they they do they typically do like new scans. Like uh, I have a, a few of their Blu-rays. I know they did the fan, like the uh, German movie. I'm yeah, pretty sure that's, that's a new. I'm pretty sure that's a new 4K scan, and it looks really nice. So I'm excited about the the Blu-ray coming out. Nice. Yeah, still haven't seen the fan, but it's like top of my horror list of things to see. It just it's hard to find streaming, if ever. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one. That's a fun. That's a cool movie. All right, so John, where can we be found on social media? Well, on Instagram, you can find us at semi underscore cinematic. On Facebook, it's semi cinematic pod, all one word. Twitter is also semi underscore cinematic, and we're semi cinematic, one word on Letterboxd. And we'll have lists of our individual picks at the end of the, of the episodes and our main reviews as a list as well, if you want to catch up. And um, you can email us at semicinematicpod at gmail.com with your questions, concerns, praise, and hate mail. <laughs> I'm welcoming of all. I'm the Statue of Liberty for this email address. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to the end. Thanks for listening. and. Have a good week. Have a great week. Bye.